basically, she kept forgetting that they were supposed to change the baby's diaper. Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenting, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden, and with me is my co-host and husband, Barry Liga. Hello. Hi. It's Memorial Day weekend as we record this. It is. Um, Saturday. We're actually recording on time this week. Go figure. It's because we're home. Because we are actually home, mm-hmm. yeah. But it is funny to be home because Memorial Day weekend has always been the sort of unofficial start to summer. Right. You know, collectively. And for me, particularly because growing up, that was the the kickoff to the season on the island that I grew up on. The small Caribbean island (laughs) where the women only wore coconut bras and grass skirts. Do I have this wrong? You do have this This is how I always imagine it. Don't ruin it for me. (laughs) So, um, anyway, it's, you know, when everyone comes down to the beach and everything opens and it's always fun. Um, So, it always makes me think of summer, even though it is not very warm out today. And so then I was thinking about summer reading because who doesn't love summer reading and the great books. But uh, basically, I went on a book buying binge the other night. Did you? I did. I did not know this. Yeah. I went on Amazon and I have friends again now (laughs) following (laughs) the Hachette debacle. Now that that they have uh, shaped up after the Hachette debacle, yeah. (laughs) And um, I'd been meaning to, to purchase a few things and... I, I just ended up there and was just <laughs> order hitting or, send to my Kindle send to my Kindle really <laughs> yeah so they, really that's what they love to hear they that's do. what they, they want that's what it. they want yeah. <laughs> but I started thinking what makes us buy books because obviously I had I had a few titles in mind that I was thinking of buying um, but I ended up with some that I'd never heard of before and or that I'd heard of and weren't on my radar really um, and you know we say at work. That in order for someone to take action on what you need them to do, mm-hmm. um, they need to hear that piece of information seven times. So this is something that we always just talk about in internal communications. And that's why we, you know, email you three times and post a flyer and mention it, you know, all of this stuff. Um, and then I was reading the other, day, the other day that a consumer, in order to make a purchase decision, needs to be offered that purchase 11 times. Oh, my God. Right? I mean, those are crazy numbers. That's insane. And I wonder if that's the if that's the case with books. And I don't think it is, like personally, anyway. Um, so I, I don't know. I was just wondering, like, what makes you buy a book? I. Well, it's funny. I mean, people are always sending me books. They for are one thing. We'll rule those out. So okay. yeah, we rule those out. So what a book makes... that you don't know about. You don't know the person who wrote it. Right. Um, and maybe you read Entertainment Weekly or. Uh, you know, and they've Have got recommended me? reading. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying you you come across yeah. a couple of titles somewhere, um, and if one of them piques your interest, do you go buy it, or do you wait, and then yeah. maybe you see it in four other places, and so then you buy it. I mean, What's the threshold. You know, it it depends on so many factors, and. I have to say, just thinking about this is making me nauseated because I'm thinking now about all the roadblocks that are between somebody and one of my books because I'm thinking of what it takes for me to buy a book and I'm realizing that there are so many factors that have nothing to do with the book at all. Yeah. I mean – you know, I am not a big ebook reader. Mm-hmm. I know you love your your e-reader and uh-huh. you read on it voraciously and that's great. I there are certain books that I will read on an e-reader and and most books though I, I like an actual book in my hands. Mm-hmm. And the uh 
The problem is that depending on what I'm doing at the moment, where I am, who I'm interacting with, I might hear about a great book. And if I can, I'll, I'll jot it down. Okay. I'll make a note to buy it at some point in the future. And then at some point in the future, I'll stumble upon that note and go, oh, right, that book, uh -huh. and I'll buy it. But, you know, there's every chance I might hear about a great book and there's no opportunity to write down the title. Okay. Or something like that. And it just might disappear from my mind. Yeah, and, no, I, I and agree that's, with that too. That's yeah. sort of freaking me out now that I think about it. And I guess I really am sort of a sucker for a good, a good Hollywood paragraph. I hate to say it because that's another thing that, as an author, I really dislike. But I don't know what that means. What do you mean? The Hollywood paragraph is like is like the elevator pitch. Okay, you know, it it sum up your book in two sentences. Okay, and so hard to do. Ugh. It's so hard to do. I mean. You know that, and that was something that early in my early in my pre career, before I actually was yeah. an author, before I'd gotten published, before I had an agent, I felt like that was holding me back was my inability to describe my book quickly and easily okay. because people would say, "What's your book about?" and I would basically tell them the whole story, <laughs> and they would wake up and go, "What? What's it about?" <laughs> and you need to be it's it's a skill to be able to boil it down like that, and and I you know. I love, you know, stumbling upon, I'm reading something and, you know, somebody will say, I just read this great book. It's like, uh, it's like great expectations only with cats in outer space. And I'll be like, whoa, wait, what? Huh? Yeah. Give me that. Give me that. And it's, you know, I'm a reader. Like I was an English major, like at Yale, like I should be, I should shouldn't be looking for the quick seductive pitch like mm. that but i do and yeah that that definitely yeah. sucks me in something yeah. like that yeah i also think for me so much of it is just sheer luck and timing yeah. um because truly like i'll come across lists of great books or having them post while well of a slideshow or whatever and i'll love everything on there but you know a few will will jump out at me and i'll think i need to get those but i just don't write them down or i totally blank on the name later and then I find myself, it's kind of like how I, I feel like I have this running list constantly of stuff I need at the drugstore, right. but then when I'm actually in the drugstore, my remember. mind is blank. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel on Amazon sometimes where I'm like, <laughs> I know there were like 11 things I wanted to buy. We know they sell drugstore stuff on Amazon that's too. What I do know <laughs> so. that now. <laughs> um, anyway. And then I think the other question is what? Well, hang on, hang on. Can yeah. we go back to that for just one second? Because I, I do want to just say something. I know one way that a lot of people buy books or discover books is through word of mouth. It is, yeah. And, and, that's and can, true. can I just, I just want to say that is utterly useless to me now. Okay. Because I'm in publishing. And yes. every single conversation yeah. I have is people recommending books to me. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if, if you are consider yourself lucky, a normal person who does not work in publishing, you maybe. Over the course of a month, you get two or three book recommendations. Yeah. I get like 100 get a hundred book recommendations. Like uh -huh. everybody is constantly recommending books to me. Yeah. And you just get to the point where you're like, they can't all be that great. Yeah. And you don't know what to do. And so you don't read any yeah. of them and blah, blah, blah. But the other thing I wanted to say, and we're going to make a little history here, I think. So you, um, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you recently discovered this thing called Stitch Fix. I did. Which is some sort of clothing yeah. outlet thing online. Not outlet. Outlet's the wrong word to yeah. use. Like that gives people a certain impression. But it's a clothing function online mm -hmm. where they send you clothes and they get to know you. And you have like a personal person. Stylist. Like yeah. a personal stylist. Who, a personal person. <laughs> yes, I'm a writer. 
who helps you and gets to know you and sends you stuff. And if you don't like it, you can send it back and they get to know you even better. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cool. It, I mean, they're not calling me up and talking right. with me every no, day. I understand. It's just an online profile thing. But I think we need that for books. I think that's a great idea. I think we need that for books. I think we need, you know, people who will, who will tell you, oh, book publishing is way too small for the sharks. <laughs> there's, there's no growth in it. People who will go. What you have is a product, not a business. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> what you have is an idea, not a business. Um, people who will go, oh, this woman liked this book and this book and this book. I bet she would like this and this and this. And mm-hmm. bookstores do this to a degree, like yeah. independent bookstores. They hand sell They will hand sell mm-hmm. stuff and they will, um, they will put, you know, like shelf talkers up that say, if yeah. you liked this, read this, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. That's great. I think actually, you know, maybe independent bookstores should do this online where they will sort of personally curate reading lists for mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah. like as a service. You know, Book Riot does a monthly book box, but I don't believe it's personally curated to suit someone's taste. Yeah. I think it's, it yes, I'm signing like, up for this book box. Right, yeah. Right. And, and I, and I, I think there are places that do it like broken down by genre. Like, yeah. you know, you can get a monthly science fiction book box yeah. and yeah. that's great. But you know, science fiction is a huge right. category. I mean, there's all sorts of different types yeah, of science yeah. fiction. So I don't know. That was yeah. just a thought that I no, had. That's a really interesting idea. So, yeah. okay. So anyway, anyway, I've got this, a uh, long list of books now to read. Yes. But, the funny thing is that our, we live in an apartment filled with books. Yes. And a lot of your books I've never read, and a lot of my books you've never read. Sure. But also, the books that we do each keep, we keep them for a reason, right? right? And the number of times that, you know, I bring the baby in here every morning and we say hello to the books. Um, it's part of our morning routine because we go through and say hello to all parts of the house. And I swear, every morning as I'm, <laughs> I'm greeting the books with her... I look at them and I think, oh, I want to reread that one. Oh, and that one. Oh, and let me pull out that one. And I should totally reread that one. And so the list of to-be-read books just keeps growing, of course. So anyway, the other day I was – someone on Twitter mentioned Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard, which I had to read in college and loved – remember loving, I should say. Um, And there's been some sort of new information about it. So it's been making the news a bit. And so a friend from college and I were talking on Twitter about it. And then she brought it over to email and said, um, basically asked me point blank if I was planning on rereading it. Because if I was, she was going to reread it too. And then we could talk about it. And I was like, you know, this has been on my TBR list for quite a while. My TBRR. (laughs) To be reread. But, you know, she says, she said, this was a quote in her email. It feels like a project to me with a capital P project. Uh, and with this book in particular, I could see why it feels that way. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why I've been holding off on rereading it. And there's a lot of books like that, I think, where I, I remember the investment in it, right. not just time, but also emotional investment. And I, sometimes I, I just don't want to do that. Right. You know? So anyway, when do you reread a book versus read something new? Whew. Does something call out to you or is it... Uh, maybe if a movie's coming out uh, based on the book and you read it 10 years ago and now you want to read, you know what I yeah. mean? Like what, what, but, but barring any of that stuff, barring any other outside factor, do you reread a book? And if so, why? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm not sure why for the most part, sometimes I just have a very strong, almost nostalgic sense for the book. Okay. And I think I want to experience that again, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I've had that with a few books. In the case of uh, one, Salem's Lot, Stephen King, I used to reread that every year, like clockwork. Yeah. 
because I was trying to figure out how the hell he did it because uh. it's about 400 pages, which nowadays isn't that long, but at the time was a pretty long book. And well, people's brains were smaller back then, right? right? And they couldn't hold all that information. <laughs> Wait, were books really shorter? What are you talking about? No, I think I think particularly genre books were okay, were, 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 were shorter. Faster I think okay. I think the I think the era of I think these days it's much more common to see books four, five, six hundred pages. Okay, than it used to be. Than it used to be. It's not that those books didn't exist. I just think there's more of them now. Okay. Anyway, it's only about four hundred pages, but. He somehow makes you feel like you know every single person in that town, you know? And I just, I, I was like, how does he do that? Like, it, it's only 400 pages. Like, huh. and he's got a story to tell. It can't just be. And <laughs> character then, profiles. Right. It's not just character <laughs> profiles for 400 pages. It, there's an actual story and there's an actual plot and there's things going on. And I couldn't figure it out. And I would reread it like once a year just to try to figure out yeah. how the hell he did it. And then you get sucked into it. And, you know, next thing you know, you've forgotten why you were yeah. doing this in the yeah. first place. But I don't know, like there's stuff that I want to reread that I just think that that would be a capital P project. Yeah. Like I always want to reread Paradise Lost. Right. Okay. And I would love to do that. But talk about capital P projects. I mean, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. And if I were to reread Paradise Lost, it would take up so much time that I would miss out on reading so many other things. Yeah. And so I'm not willing to do that. But I, I don't know. When you make that decision, I, I try not to, I try not to make my reading life into something that is complicated and has rules. I really try to just read what I feel like reading. I like that. You know, yeah. like I don't think, oh, gee, I should, I, I should read this or I shouldn't read that. Or it's been a long time since I've read a book about blank. I should do that. It's just, no, what do I feel like reading? Yeah, I'm going to read yeah. it. The one exception is uh, I am I make a conscious effort to make sure that I'm getting some sort of representation from writers of color and women, mm -hmm. which, to be honest, usually happens anyway, just as a consequence of I feel like reading this, okay. you know, just whatever it happens to be. But like if I'm at a bookstore looking specifically looking to buy something new mm -hmm. with, with no agenda in mind, just I'd like to buy a book today yeah. and just go there. I make a specific effort to do that. Okay. Um, but you know, I, 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 I just try to read what I like. I like exclusively read women authors. <laughs> exclusively? <laughs> Except for me. <laughs> no, but you know, I keep track of my reading each year. And when I look out of my 40 books, yeah, there's maybe three men <laughs> and I'm like two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting, but yeah. no, but I wanted to go back to something you said, Oh, about Salem's lot and how, um, you know, you're reading it because you're trying to figure out yeah. how he did it. Yeah. I do that too with certain books, especially if I'm, you know, if I'm working on my own writing and there's something that doesn't seem to be clicking, but I remember a certain book that did it really well, mm. then I'll go back and reread that. Okay. But, um, one thing I've always had a problem with in my books is pacing. Okay. Um, in the sense that I, I very much used, to, especially when I first started trying to write books, like I felt like I needed to account for every second of oh, the character's yeah. day. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. And I that think that's a, a really, trap. Yeah. Yeah. That's a the thing everybody falls into mm -hmm. early on. Yeah. So I would be like, oh my gosh, it's 6 p.m. on Monday for this character. What's she eating for dinner? Like, right. you know, obviously. So well, it's um, a very easy trap to fall into totally because you, th you, yeah. you know, you, you tell yourself, well, something had to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and so. 
I'm still always sort of captivated by books that um, manage to span years and years in a oh, character's yeah. life. Yeah. So I reread Summer Sisters by Judy Bloom every oh, summer. Yeah, Summer Sisters. Um, partly because it's to me, it's just like a, great, a great summer book. book. It's, it's a quintessential book. summer book. Yeah. It's a great book. Period. But it spans decades and decades of the character's life, and I'm. I read it every summer because I love it and it's pleasurable, but also because I'm like, how the hell is she doing this? And yeah. like, what are the tricks that she's using right. that I can steal? So that was the book when I met Judy Bloom. That's yeah. the one book of hers I told her I read. Oh, nice. I mean, I had also, of course, read Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing right, and Super right, Fudge yeah, and, yeah. and all the classic children's books. But and of course, you, I mean, you're a, a, a man, so you read Are You There, God? It's Me. Oh, of course. I memorized me. it. Oh, it, okay. it. It was like my Bible as a child. <laughs> but. That that one, I made a point of telling her I read Summer Sisters, and she kind of looked at me. She looked at me. She looked askance. <laughs> like, she said, really? I said, yeah, I loved it. It was no. great. So, yeah. Yeah. But, no, I understand. It, it, and it's it can be tough because a book that does something really well tends to draw you in, and mm-hmm. then you lose track of figuring out, Yeah. you know, what it is you came there to figure out. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard. The, um, you know, you mentioned fear of missing out earlier, and... Like, I do sort of have a fear of missing out of, of books, but there are so many good books published each year yeah. that I will never get around to. Yeah. So an old book has to be really outstanding or serve a very specific purpose right. for me to spend the time rereading it yeah. when I could be spending that time reading something new. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to feel guilty or, or stupid or out of the loop. And when people would mention a book that they had read that I hadn't read, okay. you know, something recent, Oh, did you read the most recent blah, blah, blah. And then I realized sort of what you just said, there is so much out there that you can't keep up. Yeah. It's impossible. And it's true with movies, with music, with video games, yeah. Yeah. with books, with everything you can imagine, yeah. any sort of creative endeavor. There's too much of it out there. Yeah. So that's why I just go, oh, you know what? I do what I like. Yeah. And I don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're still talking about reading and writing, uh, before I move into a parenting topic, do you want to give an update on where our writing projects stand? Sure. Okay. Mine's easy. I'm in the same place I was last week. It's done with a first draft at least. Mm-hmm. And I am taking a little bit of time off, probably two weeks, to let it settle before I go back to it. Yeah. This is part of my process. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll sit down and read through it and make notes and do a little revision. Mm-hmm. So but yeah. for now, I got nothing. That's great. I got nothing. Yeah. Well, so to fill people in, um, this was the book that I yes. came up with the idea. Morgan's book. To a certain extent. Um, you know, months ago and said, you need to write it. So obviously, I've been, I feel like I've been pretty close to it. And yeah. you've been sending me installments of it. And Thursday night of this week, you went out to dinner with the famous Paul. <laughs> face to face. We met, we met face to face. We and bonded so like brothers. I decided to finish, you finished finish it, yeah. the book. And um, I wanted to do it in private because it's, a, it's an emotional book. And I had started reading the final installment on the train and actually started crying. And I was like, I can't do this right now. So put it aside and purposely saved it until I knew you would be gone yeah. and the baby would be asleep and I could in private finish the book. So I did, and I finished it. Um, And as you know... Like, right before I walked through the door. Yeah, literally (laughs) 10 minutes. And so I was very raw. I was feeling very raw. Um, And I had been crying pretty heavily. And then, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes goes by, and we're chatting. I'm asking you about dinner. And and I told you I finished the book, and I just burst into tears again. Um, And then I couldn't talk about it for two days, and, you know, whatever. So it's really interesting, though, because this is the first time... a 
first of all, books rarely give me that kind of reaction. I think books rarely give anybody that kind of reaction yeah, because yeah. You, it's all self-directed. Like if you start to feel emotionally overwhelmed by a book, uh-huh. you can slow down, you can turn the page, you can close the book. It's right. not like a movie or music right. or yeah. something where it's just, it, where you have no control over it. Yeah. 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 And uh, I told you the last time I stopped at a book like this was at the end of Mockingjay. Yes. And part of that is because that's a trilogy. And so you, you know, you're building up to it and, right. um, you know, there was, there was a lot going on with that, but, but anyway, so I had this reaction with this book and it's very genuine. Um, but it is interesting because is it a, like, is this an unbiased reaction of mine? And is it, is it a fair reaction? I don't know that it is a, uh, an unbiased reaction. I mean, I'm your husband. Like, am I and too I was, close to it? Oh, I think, oh yes. Yeah. Definitely. So it's really hard Definitely. for me to give you feedback. So, well, no, I mean, I think you can give me feedback, but I can't. I can't look at it and go, Morgan cried, other people will cry. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, as your as your husband, I feel horrible that I made you cry. <laughs> as an author, I am psyched beyond belief that I made you cry. Uh-huh. It's, you know, somebody once asked Stephen King, like, what, what would be your biggest triumph? You know, you, you like scaring people. What would be your biggest triumph? And he said, well, I guess if somebody had a heart attack and died while reading <gasps> one of my books... He said, I would feel bad, but, but think, deep down yeah. I'd be going, damn, that worked. <laughs> and so that's sort of what I'm going through right now. I'm like, gosh, I, I made her cry. I feel bad, but damn, that worked. <laughs> you know, I have no idea what the reaction of other yeah. people will be, obviously. Yeah. I'll, I'll find out at yeah. some point. Yeah. I guess it raises a broader question of, um, you really have to trust your critique partners. And well, yeah. I'm not saying I'm a critique partner because I'm not, but I just well, no, you of, read and critique my stuff yeah, and I yeah. read and critique yours. So yeah, we, but, you, know, you know, I'm pretty sure there was something in our wedding vows about, <laughs> about critiquing each other. <laughs> but yeah, it just made me, it just sort of hammered home this idea that you really need to trust your critique partners, Sure, but they also need to have a certain distance from you in the work right. in order to be fair about yeah. it. You know, that's one reason why I am willing, for example, to let you see my work in progress. Yeah, yeah. Whereas most people, I do not. I let you see it in progress because I know that you can give it a critical eye, but I also know that you will look at it with the attitude of, I know what his stuff looks like when it's done. Oh, yeah. So this is raw and new and early and rough, but I know he'll get there. Yeah. So... You know, you can, you give me, let, let, let's say a very charitable critique, okay. yeah. which, which when it's finished is less useful, but when I'm halfway through and sort of wondering, am I even on the right Should track? I Should yeah. I continue? Like, what, what am I doing? Am I wasting my time? Am, am, am I, am I just not on the right path? Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice to have somebody go, Hey, I see what you're trying to do yeah. and that's cool. Okay. You know, and that can just. That that can be the pick me up that you need. I was to gonna just say that's on. like what powers you through to keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah sometimes. for sure. Yeah. So what about you? What about your your book? Um, I did some work on it this week. I also realized I've been stuck in the same chapter for a few weeks now, and um, and I feel like I, I just kept going over and over it, and finally I was like, I think I actually needed to print it out and take it away from my corner of the office here where I've been working on it. And just get, like, a new physical perspective, and maybe that will help me. Mm-hmm. Maybe this sounds too precious. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but sometimes I feel very um, – if I've been sitting at my same laptop in the same spot for three weeks now trying to work on the same chapter, like, just moving spaces really helps. Huh. Um, I think we 
like years ago, we had this conversation where sometimes, like, I don't write in coffee shops, right. especially now, but every now and then, in the olden times, pre-baby, I would, and it would, like, totally open up avenues of thought that I didn't have access to before. And I never experienced that. That's I know. Yeah. So anyway, so, um, so that's what I've done. I've printed out this chapter and, uh, I'm working on it in like random places where I happen to be. So like a little bit on the subway, um, a little bit when I was eating lunch at work the other day, like, you know, sitting hmm. out in the living room here. So, yeah. um, just to sort of, I don't know, reinvigorate myself, but, okay. but, but it's you've moving been working. I have been working. Yeah. yeah. No, you've been waking up. Yeah, I have waking up early Uh huh. and doing it. Yeah. That's great. It's re- Yeah. That feels good. That's cool. Okay, so let's move into parenting. Oh, do we? Ha- I parent all day long, man. <laughs> and you do a hell of a job. Uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I woke up this morning and had a great morning with the baby. And then... This was an amazing morning with the baby. It was a good morning, yeah. But, except for the slight problem I had, which yeah. was we were playing and it was about 10 minutes away before I was going to put her down for her first nap. I'm still asleep, by the way, yes, everybody. Just so you know, I... I- <laughs> Man, I slept like the dead this morning. <laughs> well, first of all, she slept till 7.30, yeah, which she slept never late. happens. She slept so late, which awesome. is nice. Um, so anyway, we're having a really lovely morning, and all of a sudden, I felt a, a twinge in my back, and I was like, oh, let me, I'll, I'll do some yoga as soon as I put her down for a nap. Um, and I stood up with her and, like, almost fell over. See, the mere thought of yoga damaged you. <laughs> this is why I <laughs> don't do don't yoga. Do <laughs> anyway, I threw out my back, long story short. So yeah. all day today... Um, it's Saturday, like I said, and uh, you know, it's a, it was a pretty beautiful day and we did manage to go for a nice long, slow walk, uh, through the park and it was great, but I do feel bad because you, I feel like shouldered the burden today. Oh, I don't feel that way. Really? Yeah, I don't feel that way. Okay. Hey, you changed the diapers. So (laughs) there's a serious difference. Honestly, honestly, (laughs) that's, that's what I care about primarily. (laughs) Anyway. So uh, there's a friend of mine who's pregnant. There's a couple friends of mine who's pregnant, but there's a, a particular friend who is pregnant with her first. And I was thinking about what kind of advice I would give. And if I could give one piece of advice to right. her and her husband as, as new parents, what would it be? So you first, I'm putting you on the spot. Me first. What is your single piece of advice um, to a th- new parent? This is going to sound a little strange to the parents and the non-parents, I'm sure, but I'll explain it. One word, swaddling. And everybody is going, well, yeah, we know about swaddling. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain. So for those of you who don't know, swaddling is where you basically make a baby burrito. You yeah. wrap them up real tight in a blanket so they can't move. And, uh, Put a, a dollop of guac on the a top. Little, a little guac on top, <laughs> sprinkle some uh, cajita cheese. But you uh, you do this and it, it basically calms them down and helps them sleep and relaxes them because they're used to it because that's what it feels like when they're in the womb. They're, mm-hmm. they're all wrapped up and tight. Uh, and people are going, we know about this. But... <laughs> You know, the one thing that I've said we're going to do for our next child, you know, when you have the baby in the hospital, which is what we did, we did not go all, you know, mad woman in the forest and, and, you know, go to a little baby swimming pool somewhere and have a kid. But we are for the next one. For the next one, yeah. (laughs) They, they give you a blanket and they show you how to swaddle the baby in a blanket. And then you are completely sleep deprived and freaked out because you are a basket case and you, you try to swaddle and you can't do it as well as the nurses and you're screwed. What they don't tell you is that you can buy these awesome swaddles that are designed with Velcro and snaps and stuff so that you don't have to learn how to fold anything. You literally stick the baby in and wrap the Velcro around and you're done. Well, because the problem with the blankets is that the babies 
are squirmy. Right. And, and they bust out of the blankets. Yeah. But with the Velcro, the babies uh-huh. can't bust out. So right. they stay swaddled and they stay asleep. Instead yes. of busting out at three in the morning and waking, as Leia did yep. when we were in the hospital, she kept breaking out of the swaddle and then waking up and screaming. And then we're both sleep deprived and blurry eyed and can't see and trying to swaddle her again in the dark. And it's I crazy. We, so I always think the nurses were probably like, what is wrong with these people? Who, I know. They cannot figure out how to swaddle their baby. They can't swaddle their yeah. baby. I remember one night I just begged the nurse and said, please just swaddle her really tight <laughs> did, and yeah. then let me go to sleep. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I said for our second baby, we are bringing our own damn swaddle to the hospital. Yep. One of these awesome Velcro ones. And we'll just use that and we'll actually get some sleep. So that is my single piece of advice to somebody who is about to have a baby. Go out and buy one of these awesome swaddles and bring it to the damn hospital. Yeah, agreed. There you go. Agreed. You. Just a little side note, though, about the nurses in the hospital. <laughs> My other friend told me yeah. <laughs> that when she had her baby, and she delivered at NYU, too, as did we. She kept, like, basically, she kept forgetting that they were supposed to change the baby's diaper. That she was supposed yeah, to? Yeah, that, or like, the they should be, che- that they, oh, the parents, the should parents. be checking and changing the baby's diaper as needed. <laughs> and instead, the nurses, were doing, the nurses were doing it every time. And she said it finally dawned on her at one point, like, oh, my God, we haven't changed the baby's diaper yet. So they They're, asked the nurse, Those like, people are my heroes. <laughs> they were like, should we be changing the diaper? And the nurse was like, the nurse was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my second piece of advice. Let's change the baby's diaper. Change the baby's diaper. Anyway, so I, I like that yours was a very practical tip. I, you know, I mean, yeah. I know there are so many spiritual things I could yeah, say, no, but no. I feel I feel like I feel like if you get this one thing right, it will give yeah. you time and psychic yeah. space for the other things. Yeah, I guess I think um, mine would be stay off the internet <laughs> in terms of <laughs> in terms of like researching baby stuff. Yeah. Um, I think part of my problem in the early days was that a lot of, like, a lot of the women on the message boards that I was reading who all had babies right around the same time, uh, like, some of them are very strict and have, like, they were all about routines and schedules immediately. Yeah. And, and I think I let some of that seep into my brain a little too much. And so... Uh, I think that's what contributed to a lot of my my tension in in those early couple of weeks. Was like, well, the random internet stranger I read about is doing it this way. Right? Why aren't we like that kind of thing? So you, you don't think getting three hours of sleep a night had well, anything to do with no, it? No, of course it did. But but I just kind of think partly maybe my single piece of advice would be like relax and stay off the mama boards. Yeah. For I a mean, while. you know. I think maybe think about this stuff before the baby comes yeah. and sort of yes. decide what direction you want to go in because then you don't have to try to make those decisions when you're sleep deprived yeah. and yeah. emotionally wrecked. And yeah. you know, um, there's some things I wish we had sort of thought about before oh, yeah. the baby came mm-hmm. that we just sort of figured, Oh, we'll figure that out later. Right. And you know, and then we were trying to figure it out when we were both a wreck and right. couldn't figure it out because our brains weren't working. Yeah. So that's good advice. All right. Reading recommendations. I am going to recommend You Killed Wesley Payne by uh, Sean Bowden. Oh, God, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I know the guy, and I just realized I've never heard him pronounce his own last name. It's a really good book. It's YA. It's It's a sort of noir murder mystery, but it's sort of a parody of noir murder mysteries at the same time. It's this kid who acts like a noir detective going to a high school to solve a murder mystery. And it, it, it's a parody of everything you can imagine. It's a great pastiche of, of 
noir murder novels. And it's just, it, it's really just funny and clever. I mean, he's a, he's an incredibly smart, incredibly clever, incredibly inventive writer. So definitely give it a shot. You killed Wesley Payne. It's, it's a lot of fun. So I've never read this book, yeah. but I just picked it up and flipped open to the opening And there's page. a chart in the beginning of all the clicks at the high school. This it's hilarious. Amazing. It's, yeah. it's amazing. That it's a terrific book. That makes me immediately want to read this. Yeah. So very clever. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, well, I am in the middle, just about finished with something too, which I never would have read in my life, except several months ago, it was on sale and Sarah McLean tweeted about it and said, everyone should read this. Oh, that dastardly Sarah McLean. <laughs> no, but it, it makes me really, uh, this kind of loops back to the beginning of this right. podcast. Like, How do you decide mouth. what to yeah, buy? Yeah. I never would have. It, so it was two things. It was three things. Timing word of mouth, a recommendation from a friend. And I happened to be in front of my computer um, and the book was on sale. So I immediately went and purchased it. It's called Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase. She is apparently a very well-known romance novelist. Again, so this, and in particular, this type of romance, this genre is not something I normally read. What is the genre? I believe it's considered a Regency romance, Okay, but Sarah might be. So corsets, corsets and big skirts and. Yeah, and it takes place in, in England and right. You know, England's got to yeah. be England, yeah. sure. So, uh, so anyway, I am loving it because the her particular style of writing is, I think, really well done and not not typical um, of of a lot of writers. Like I, I don't, I just don't see it that often. So it's super funny. Like the characters are just trading these barbs that are really smart and funny. Um, but also, she seems to be going. Like she jumps POV very quickly between the two main between the two love interests, mm-hmm. um, and it's very smartly and deftly done. And like within the same chapter, like even sometimes the same page, she's going back and forth. And it's just I feel like I'm learning a lot from it. But it's also just a really enjoyable book right now. And it's going the plot's taking me in places I didn't expect. So cool. um, anyway, so thanks for the recommendation, Sarah. And just a reminder to readers, like you know, talk about the books that you love and that you're loving. Um, Especially if they're mine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll leave it with that. <laughs> talk about Barry like Oh, wow. Then. You're going to leave me with... Oh, man. All right. All right. So that's it for us. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Don't forget to visit us online at writinginreallife.com. But more importantly, find us on iTunes and rate us on iTunes. And um, we'll be back next week with more. Thanks, Thanks. everyone. Bye.